Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Uh, pr- uh, pronouncing the director's name, um, anybody, I've tried sounding it out. I am uh, comfortable trying. No, yeah, uh, Lung. I mean, it yeah. uh, depends There's... on what name you're yes. saying, actually, because he has two. But Lao yeah. Karlung, I think, is fine. We, we, we're um, going with Lao Karlung and not... I'd be um, comfortable with Liu Chialong. Sorry, Jason, say that again. Liu Chialong. Liu Chialong. Okay. I, I only saw that from a pronunciation guide online. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's what's on Letterboxd. Yes. And Diagram... And oh, a fighter. Yep. And fucking that Tiger on Beat movie I watched a few uh, a few oh, months yeah, ago. Yeah. Death. That is that's a pretty dope movie. A Chow Yun Fat joint. Yeah, man. Uh, we do gotta. I, I do want to get uh, J- Jason's ass for only giving the original Drunken Master a three, but it's we don't. I have give it a three as well. Now. Yeah, I mean, you gotta know. get both your asses for that. Well, <sighs> I I knew I knew the context of Drunken Master two, and I just couldn't find it in my heart to do it. Uh, that being said, probably worth revisiting. Maybe I maybe I uh, wasn't in a great mood. Maybe I was low on sleep. Maybe uh, I was in a, a global pandemic and my movies were all over the place. Um, <laughs> that was not a joke. Right. <laughs> that was kind I, of a joke. I, will say I mean, that really. Okay. Yeah. This it was a good um, like, example of, of the podcast being a good education for me. Because like, I remember when we, when we did Police Story 1 and 2, I was like moderately warm on police story one and then like even less warm on police story two and now looking back at that i'm like what the fuck was i thinking like the best movies ever made like there there's nothing better than this like what like what height of cinema right like what else do you want from a movie than fucking police story like what was i thinking anyway so i'm glad that i'm finally arrived in the right frame of mind it's uh it's like uh it's like when you you finally like get white castle like you've been trash talking what you're like oh white castle you know and then you you have some at like 1 30 a.m and you're like oh this is actually the greatest meal this is the this perfection is the of culinary arts yeah i'm just going to eat this for the rest of my life i understand what you're saying but i i like the jackie chan movies more than fast food I, you know sure yeah, I, I'm not trying to say these movies are just fast food. There's a lot of good stuff here, but right, uh, we're not making just when you when you turn on some opinion, you're like, "God damn, what what was I possibly thinking?" Right, that or, is yeah. definitely how I feel about this. Or like when you get beer, you know what I mean? When you're like, "Oh, I like IPAs well, now," or something. Good. I don't, look, I'm just throwing them. None of these are really 100 percent perfect with what you're saying. I'm going to turn off Legend of Drunken Master slash Drunken Master. Yeah, we should probably start playing. recording, huh? Uh, I think we've been. Rec- I think Jason. Been, what? Jason will chop this up for a soundboard. Like for another later. soundboard thing right now. <sighs> Jason, yeah, you got some. Thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. Get tickets to movies like those playing in the Jucky Jucky. 
Uh, bu- bu- Buster Keaton and <laughs> Jackie Chan. Jucky. Jucky. It's a new genre. Uh, hot and upcoming. Jackie Chun, uh, my favorite martial artist. And my name is Jason Daphnis. Uh, I am drinking cider, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Uh, I'm Cody Narvison. I avoid trouble by paying my taxes, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Uh, I'm Harry. I'm not drinking anything, and I forgot a quote, but I remember another quote from a kung fu movie I watched that said, a drunkard has a lunatic nature, and I thought that was very appropriate for this. Um, Yeah. Uh, my name's Aaron. I don't actually have a drink with me. I was going to save that for the Cody's Noties. Should I go get one real quick and come back? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I... absolutely. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> give, me, give me one second, Jason. Just put in like a Roadrunner. Uh, like, say, like, you know, put put in one of those. Roadrunner goes... Oh, famously. Yeah, I think so. Right? Oh, oh, and this is troubling because... Oh, this... Well, that's perfect. I was going to say he has the next segment. So we it's on us to, to vamp and, uh, and fill this this void we have a soundboard now <laughs> yeah no you can you can you can that's what i meant he's Harry, can i get a can i get a blank soundscape here there you go uh and uh you can find me on twitter at uh, rb please today we're talking about uh a an objectively perfect film we'll spend five minutes talking about it and then we will just let it go to sleep uh we're talking about legend the legend sorry of drunken master 1994 film also known as drunken master 2 um aaron take it away yeah never before has there been a an argument for uh just taking the time you could use to listen to our podcast instead re-watching drunken master 2 uh even if you've just seen it a few minutes before uh yes we're talking about that one drunken master 2 otherwise known as legend of the drunken master uh in the uh, kind of starting with the 2000 north american release it is a originally a 1994 film it is directed by lao car lung sorry i'm a little out of breath because I was trying to get a beer. Uh, it is the sequel to the 1978 film Drunken Master. Uh, Jackie Chan reprises his role from the first film as Wong Fei Hung. He's a martial artist, uh, actually a, a representation of a real life figure who is not just a martial artist, but also a, a kind of a practitioner of kind of traditional Chinese medicine and um, I don't know, philosopher, all the all these kind of things. But in this film, he is mostly a, a martial artist who has mastered drunken boxing, uh, specifically the eight drunken immortals techniques, uh, which attempts to kind of replicate the movement of uh, a kind of a drunk person, the great effect, specifically these eight different drunk people who are all drunk in their own interesting historical ways. And he uses that to uh, uh, make kind of a, a fighting style. Um, Wong also fights better when drunk, uh, but is prohibited from doing so by his father, Wong K. Ying, played by Tai Lung in this film, uh, who doesn't like the drinking or the fighting. Uh, on a trade ride home, on a train ride home, Wong accidentally swaps one of his pieces of luggage with another during a fight, uh, and he kind of swaps a large piece of ginseng that his father was bringing home for a client. And it gets mixed up with an ancient jade imperial seal, which the British are trying to smuggle along with uh, countless other historical Chinese artifacts out of the country to Britain. Um, it of course falls on Wong Fei Hung to beat back the British, restore China's history and culture, and uh, battle crippling. Uh, alcoholism and addiction to save the day. Um, also notable in this film, thank you. Uh, also notable in this film, Jason, you can use a soundboard. Maybe like a clap would go here. Thank you. Uh, also notable in this film, uh, Anita Mui as Ling, uh, Wang Fei Hung's stepmother, who could kind of convinces him to to drink and fight more. I guess uh, much to the yeah. 
she kind of puts him down his his path of uh, darkness, uh, much to the chagrin of her husband. Uh, Lao Lao Karlong uh, plays uh, Fu Wen Chi, who is a member of the military, who Wong fights and the later befriends. Uh, and then Andy Lau is in this film actually as a counterintelligence officer. I think Harry mentioned that you you picked it up. I just missed it completely. Uh, didn't notice, but he is in this film. Um, Drunken Master 2, sorry, long summary, but it was a return to a more classical style of uh, martial arts film for Jackie Chan. Uh, kind of as the 1980s went on, it saw him uh, acting in a larger variety of action roles, um, kind of in a lot more, uh, what you call maybe not standard, but kind of a different variety. You know, you saw him as like a police officer, uh, 1985's police story. Um, you know, instead of just doing martial arts, he was doing automobile chases and he was jumping through panes of glass and things that were exploding, right? Uh, this film was kind of a return to um, some of the stuff he was doing earlier in his career. Uh, this film was also known, uh, I think, primarily uh, for its climax and its very, very long final fight sequence, which uh, fucking rocks and is often considered uh, one of the best in martial arts cinema. Uh, Jason, that's what I got. Aaron, thanks for your wonderful stuff. Su- oh, sorry. You the uh, I, I had to I had to come back down. I was doing a perfect vertical standing splits. Uh, I'm putting my glasses back on and I'm making time to discuss this movie. Uh, there is very little for me to say that hasn't already been said for this movie. I don't think there's anything really wrong with it and I won't be swayed. Um, I'm comfortable saying that it is after only having seen, I don't know, a, per- a small percentage of his actual filmography uh, and, you know, th- a smaller percentage of that being actually probably worth watching. A lot of it must be paychecks, but I'm comfortable saying that it is probably Jackie Chan's best movie. Um, we covered a few of them on this podcast before. I am not convinced they are his best because they don't lean as heavily into Kung Fu tropes and the overall joie de vivre of that, of the style, I guess, of the actual like filmmaking style. Of course, the martial arts are there in those films, but they are uh, sort of adapted to a slightly more action or a slightly more, you know, I guess cop drama style or, you know, more overtly actiony where this movie I classify more as a comedy. Um, I think that it is a case study in making every single, every single swing, like a joke, you know um, it's maybe I'm not explaining that super well, but it's, you know, it really underscores how important the editing is and the cutting or lack thereof to a lot of these shots and the framing. Uh, it is like masterfully made as a film. And I think that is what puts it over the edge uh, in being like one of the greats of, um, of Kung Fu films. It is beyond just wildly good choreography. It is an actually incredibly well shot, incredibly well staged um, beautifully like uh I mean, just look at the background of any given scene and it's very colorful and just dynamic, you know, in ways that I had not come to associate with, um, with Kung Fu films prior to seeing this movie. Uh, it is, it is over the top and incredible movie. Um, I do want to get into, uh, Aaron, did you find anything about, um, the making of this movie and sort of a clash maybe that the director and Jackie Chan had at some point? Yes. Uh, there's a, there's a, actually an article that I was going to reference, uh, on Kung Fu kingdom.com, which seems fairly authoritative just by the name. I don't know. I trust him. It's Uh, kingdom. Yeah. Glenn Stanway from 2015 was writing about Drunken Master 2. I guess, well, Jason, can you link that in the show notes? Quite a good article. It, it's, it kind of summarizes the, it has the trailer and has the cast and has the plot. And then it goes a little bit into, uh, 
a bit more kind of a deep dive into the film. And yeah, there actually was um, uh, kind of a, a falling out that, that Jackie Chan had with Lau Kar Lung, uh, the, who is credited as the director. Uh, Jackie Chan also did a good amount of the directing um, and uh, who actually kind of took over the directing as the, you know, the, the credited director dropped out uh, near the end of the film about, I think two thirds of the way through filming. Um, and one of the kind of reasons for that was differences over um, opinions about uh, editing and, and action cinematography and choreography and whatnot. Um, it's, it sounds like uh, Lau Kar Lung um, liked uh, kind of a few different things that Jackie Chan started to sour on. Uh, the use of wires was, was one particularly, I think that Jackie Chan uh, kind of, preferred not to have as much um also uh shots of like slight slow-mo and things like that i think you can even see it in in the kind of the pace of the editing and whatnot i think if you look at um the final action scene which is like kind of a it's kind of like a gimme i think uh to talk about this because it's like it's like the best right but if you compare that to um kind of earlier uh action sequences i i think it does feel a bit different um and uh, I think maybe it overall, it, it kind of ends up working with the film. Um, although I, I, you know, I wasn't there for the, the filming of it, but yeah, there were, there were different differences, def, definite differences. Uh, I think you can kind of tell that. Um, but uh, it, it also, I think last thing interesting to note is that Jackie Chan actually still uh, really respects the guy, even though he dropped out, he said that he owed him like a, a massive debt uh, for how this film ended up. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link that article and it's a, it's a, it's a good read. Yeah, I don't think that it that the seams show as much as maybe that might indicate that that story might indicate at least not to me. Uh, maybe I was just swept up in it, and I'm sure that I'm swept up in it in general. Um, suffice to say, I am uh, always bowled over by this movie. I've seen it. I don't know. Maybe this was my third time. I'm really bummed that I can't actually see it at the trilon. So uh, y'all who can should tell me how it was. Um, but I will. Uh, let's see. How do I how do I set up to Cody? Um, I am. I'm swinging around a, a bench from the uh, bar stool that I was just sitting at. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've thrown it and it's just narrowly missed Cody in the head. I, I, he's not, he's not an enemy of mine, but it's just, it's yeah, it's, it's crashed against the, against the wall behind him. Um, and, and his head pops up and he, he looks slightly, I don't know, offended, displeased that I've, that I've swung at him by accident. And he says, nice throw knucklehead. Um, Wow, man, this can't wait to make further use of these sound bites. But thank you for that toss, Jason. Uh, yeah, this was my my second time watching Drunken Master Two, aka The Legend of Drunken Master, um, etc. I, I loved it when I first saw it about four ish years ago. I've wanted to revisit it ever since, and now that I have, I feel confident saying this is one that I'll uh, continue to re- revisit, hopefully more frequently for a long, long time. Um, yeah, the the past. A uh, year and a half or so, I've been watching a lot of movies. I've had a few stretches where I gravitated toward Jackie Chan movies, as well as some other Kung Fu movies, a couple drunken boxing movies. And coming back to Drunken Master 2, it, like, it, it feels like one of the best, most realized experiences in any of those categories, whether we're talking about drunken boxing movies, Jackie Chan movies, maybe probably Kung Fu movies in general. I don't think I'm particularly qualified to make um, grand declarations like that, but at least of the sample that I've personally seen, the choreography at the very least uh, stands above the rest uh, of the field for, I don't know, for what my money's worth. Um, and we've talked a little bit about 
the the director Lao Karlong. Um, he uh, he directed a couple dozen other works of kung fu, including the Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin and the Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, uh, both of which seem to be pretty well considered classics. I did actually just watch the Eight Diagram Pole Fighter uh, a couple hours ago. Um, in advance of this, and that movie also rips and would recommend it to anybody who likes the movie that we're talking about right now. Um, but Drunken Master 2 came out in 1994, which I think it feels important because you get a sense that Jackie Chan's star power and his like trajectory and abilities and confidence as an artist, as well as the sort of improving production value of making a movie, all kind of contributed to uh, a convergence that allowed for maybe the best version of this film to be created. Uh, and uh, as we've said, this film rules. So like, maybe that makes sense. The sequences of action all have a, a distinct rhythm to them. Uh, in the few decades preceding this, uh, the fighting is still, it's very spectacular and very intense. Um, it perhaps sometimes feels a little more aimless, but every set piece here in Drunken Master, it, it it takes you somewhere, either narratively or, or geographically. I feel like I'm I'm going somewhere. And the scenes with slapstick are all, I think, genuinely very funny. Um, thanks in large part to Anita Moy, who's uh, in this movie, as is uh, Andy Lau. Briefly, I think he's like, I, is he the officer on the train? Maybe we probably talked about those two at least a little bit during our Wong Kar Wai series. Um, so just name dropping. Um, but hopefully we'll we'll talk about Anita Moy more uh, because she steals most scenes, if not every scene she's in. Uh, she and Jackie Chan are, I think, both uh, incredible physical performers in their own ways. Um, so shout outs are definitely due. Um, but yeah, I, I don't get to every corner of the internet that, that deals with film, but I do see this movie, uh, Drunken Master 2, that is get talked about and hyped up online, um, which makes me very glad there are a lot of great works of, um, you know, Kung Fu and great films in general from Hong Kong that we in the States just, we don't always get to see for a variety of, uh, for a variety of reasons. But even though, uh, as Jason alluded to, scheduling conflicts for, prevented um, those of us in Minneapolis from seeing it, uh, this movie at the trial on together. I'm really glad we got to watch this and that we get to talk about it. Um, so that's really awesome. Uh, but kind of off topic, I, I, I think <clears throat> what I ooh, what I ate before recording was, uh, in fact, not a uh, not a ginseng root. Uh, and I, I, I was hoping, Harry, uh, you had something I could take to help, you know, like cleanse my system. Um, anything like that would be tremendously helpful. Um, I'll, I'll shift the attention your way now um, while I sort of writhe in the background. Oh, buddy, I've got just the thing. It's this 100 proof alcohol, which uh, I believe, or oh. maybe it's industrial alcohol. I think our, our boy consumes both over the course of this movie. Um, yeah, this was uh, the second time I've seen Drunken Master 2. Uh, the first time I saw it was a very long time ago. Um, this was the first time seeing it back to back with uh, Drunken Master 1. Uh, shout outs to Aaron. He and I did that. And that's exactly the way I wanted to watch this movie. Um, and I won't belabor the point too much because I, I think I, I want to talk more about Jackie Chan himself and like the whole thing rather than this movie specifically. But it is worth talking about, as you noted, Cody, what a unicorn of sort of like a perfect circumstances, perfect idea, perfect actors, perfect directors this movie is, right? Like I think that from a thematic perspective, both this movie and the last movie are actually doing something really interesting with like Chinese history, right? It's about like taking this character who is sort of like a canonized like um, legend of and folk hero of um, Chinese sort of like legend, um, uh, Wong Fei Hung, and sort of like mythologizing him and humanizing him at the same time by like creating him to be this sort of like unrepentant 
goofball, but making that goofball nature of his and silly nature of his actually the the source of his power, right? Like that's to me, that's what drunken boxing sort of represents in these movies is this idea that like this character who is sort of this very Goku like goofball sort of like fun loving silly guy like he sort of has an arc in this movie that would imply that he sort of becomes the serious sage like character the way that um for instance Toshiro Meifune's character um Miyamoto Musashi in Samurai uh would but instead he retains the sort of like inner soul of his goofiness throughout these movies and that goofiness is actually like that the perfection of his inner soul of goofiness is what makes him so powerful in these movies. Right. And like, that is so like, there, there's a great sort of like anti-authoritarian, but, but even sort of just like anti-seriousness to this movie and especially marrying it with history in that way to make it like, actually like history was not about all of these stern sort of like um, legendary distant figures, right? These monoliths, but it was actually something that was very human and very funny and very sort of like um, exciting and, and very relatable, right? Like I, and I think that casting Jackie Chan, who is, both of those things right who is both this sort of like canonical symbolic figure of uh hong kong filmmaking and of like chinese culture and he's sort of hilarious right like he's he's the buster keaton of china and of like hong kong filmmaking it's the perfect role for him it could only be played by him and like he just relishes in it like he's so funny in both of these movies like i nobody could make the facial expressions that he makes in these movies nobody could sell this performance the way he does and it's the best martial arts choreography ever filmed right and so like i think that it's like it's worth talking about how like this is not it's it's weirdly not just a great martial arts movie or a great jackie chan movie but it is like it is like the realization and perfection of what Jackie Chan is and what like Hong Kong action sort of like Kung Fu filmmaking can be. And I think it's super appropriate that it's also like a marriage of uh, Lau Kar Lung and Jackie Chan. Lau Kar Lung is like kind of the greatest of the old school Kung Fu filmmakers, right? Like I think 36 Chamber of Shaolin in particular is one of my favorite movies ever made period. Um, and he directed that and it like similarly demonstrates just this incredible understanding of what, like what Kung Fu epitomized can and should be. And then the sort of like handoff to Jackie Chan as sort of like the new school is a really fascinating um, thing too. And I think that, that viewing these movies together that way is, is really fascinating. And it just like, it makes for such a joyous experience to me. Like, I don't think I, I don't, purely enjoy many movies more than I purely enjoy this one, right? It's just like the the like magnetism of Jackie Chan's charisma and the like pure joy and expressiveness that is in the movements of every scene of this movie. And that that it seems so infectious across all of the different characters and all of the different actors, right? Like even um, like Anita Mui, who uh, you had mentioned steals scenes, Cody, that's absolutely true. And she's like having the time of her life making this movie. And like, you can tell that Jackie Chan is like in rare form, which like Jackie Chan never phones it in right but like when he's on it's like like nothing else he's just got like this unbelievable presence on uh film and like 
it makes it makes the whole like idea sing so well, right? To the point where like I don't I said I didn't want to belabor it and now I am, but like it doesn't the plot is is great in this movie, but like it didn't have to be, right? Like we didn't need any sort of plot because like just watching Jackie Chan do this stuff would make it legendary. <laughs> um but now I'm uh I'm I'm seeing that Aaron is is struggling to fight off uh what is that five six seven different uh henchmen who are attempting to um appropriate Chinese culture and um artifacts and so to help him out I'm I'm throwing bottles at him which he's going to comedically drink while fighting uh because again these movies are the best thing that has ever happened. So here we go Aaron I'm I'm tossing one two three bottles. Can you do it? I've I've dropped all of them. I am not Jackie Chan. I'm sorry. Yeah, unfortunately. I, yeah. You make it you make it sound like they're they're like posting Instagram pics with them as opposed to like stealing. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, yeah, but they're appropriating Chinese culture exactly. They're doing both. They're they're taking Instagram pictures and they're stealing them, and both are fucked up. Uh, no. Uh, to, I guess to respond a little bit to to stuff that you just said, like directly, I, the the maybe this is a backhanded compliment now, but like the person who I thought of most while watching uh, Jackie Chan kind of do his thing in this movie was was like Michael Jackson, um, like smooth criminal like dance moves, like specifically that lean. Um, there's so many movements that Jackie Chan does in this movie that are like that are that are dance moves really um a lot of it's like martial arts but like um specifically that the end scene i was i was just li- just watching this literally uh before we started recording this just to like get some of the moves kind of in my mind thinking about them um and there's there's like one where he's like kicked to the floor and instead of like falling he just like slides back so he's like it's like impossible to scream, but like it's like he's like falling very smoothly down a half pipe and he just like slides like he's doing half of the worm into like of you know a horizontal position and it's just like so unnatural but it's like so smooth and then later he like stands up and the way that he like snaps to attention is it's it's like something that like somebody in like you know the color guard or something would do like that's a move that they would learn for for the routine um and he just like makes it look natural right um i i i also yeah i just in case it's not clear from the minute of ranting I've done, I, I really love this movie. Um, I grew up with this film uh, to a certain extent. Uh, memories of, of this movie kind of uh, blend together with the first film. When I was watching this with Harry, uh, I, I kept saying like, I, cause we watched the first one and then we watched this one. Um, and I had knew that I had seen the second one a bunch, but I wasn't sure about the first one. Um, and as I, I think back on it, I had seen the first one because I, I do have a memory of the, the final fight scene uh, in that movie, which is similarly great. Um, but but this movie is kind of in my memory. It's like the next step up from when I first really started to appreciate uh, uh, not specifically just like martial arts films, but like kind of very physical action films in general. I think that probably started with Rush Hour uh, as a kid. Um you know, it was a film that that was actiony in the way that all these other films I liked were. Like I like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars and whatnot. But Rush Hour is a film that there was so much kind of physical uh, comedy and action um, that I appreciated. Uh, I, I was posted this in, in the Discord a little while ago, but like the scene in, in Rush Hour Two of Jackie Chan just like sliding through like a prison window, and it, it's so smooth. Um, and like subconsciously as a kid, like I really started to appreciate all that kind of stuff to where I think I'm at the same level where Harry is now. We're like, I don't know if there's a two, you can maybe list like three movies, uh, you know, that, that I enjoy watching more than like drunken master two or, uh, you know, any of the other great Jackie Chan movies. I mean, this is, this is like definitely up there. 
Um, I, I was also kind of thinking about uh, some comments I made on the Night Moves episode where I talked about the um, the inability of a lot of like noir films to like fill the the desire that you want of like the aesthetics of the genre, right? Where like a, a lot of noir, noir films aren't just like, um, you know, smoky rooms and jazz music and black and white, uh, you know, cinematography. Um, and often when they are that, they're actually kind of bad. Um, it's kind of the same thing with martial arts films where like, you know, you you don't just want two hours of straight fighting. Like that sounds cool, but it, it can get exhausting. And like a martial arts film is often about how it, you know, sequences those uh, fight scenes with other scenes in the film. Uh, this kind of takes like the, the, the cheat code method um, by having some amazing fight scenes and then also having an actor who is extremely funny and, and kind of charismatic uh, doing all of these comedic uh, scenes in the middle. And it's like, it's really the best of both worlds here. Um, this film also, when I was thinking about martial arts film, I was thinking of, of, of sort of doom, which we covered on a previous episode, which is like, you know, that is commenting on martial arts films uh, or action films and, and violence. Um, and like this film is kind of the opposite. We're like, this film really is just a big bowl of candy. Uh, and I keep eating this candy and I do not get sick of the candy no matter how much I, I eat of it. I just keep eating more candy. I can watch these action scenes a million times and I'm always so happy. Uh, and I don't know. I just think this movie is like, it's one of the best movies ever made. I think, I think the final action scene is probably the best action scene I've ever seen in a movie. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll just always be chasing the, the dragon that this movie presents. Um, but yeah, I love it. I'll drink to that. Uh, I am really glad you brought up how it sequences and stages and how like there is a certain expected level of quality. I mean, I sort of touched on this in my, in my thoughts too, but like certain level of expected quality to martial arts films where it's like, Hey, just show the cool moves, you know, like, Hey, try and envision, <clears throat> excuse me, what it would be like to see this in person and trying to like, just get the audience to marvel at it. And, uh, in pretty much all of at least Jackie Chan's best known works, I've noticed a sort of a, a refusal to do just that and rather really leverage the, like the tools that are specific to the film medium um, to like show us the angle that would not be visible. If you were seeing this like in person, if this fight were going on in front of you, um, you know, from the underneath or from a little Dutch angle or, you know, whatever um, it like, it uses those uh, like scene after scene, shot after shot, to make like a more comprehensively entertaining movie in the way that I think people ended up remembering um, some of Jackie Chan's like better known Western works, like, you know, the rush hours of the world uh, and you know, whatever else um, I'm not really that familiar with this Western body work, but how like those movies tend to flow. This one flows in, you know, 1994 um, and, you know, being a, a Cantonese production, like, I think that's what makes it sticks out and stick out of my head from everything else I've seen from Jackie Chan and from, you know, any, anything that he's been in is just that it is like artfully made. I don't think it's an, an, an exaggeration to say that it is like genuinely outside from the fluid motion and the joy of, you know, uh, visual expression that we've discussed on our police story episodes. It is sincerely like masterfully made as a movie, um, to the point where like the, fact that there's a plot is something that can go right by you uh, because of just how smoothly it moves. Um, I do want to get into the plot later, but uh, I see a couple of hands up and I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like I've got tomatoes aimed at me. So I think I saw Harry's hand up first. Hey, thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to 
really comment on something that Aaron had said that you then uh, elaborated on further, Jason, but like particularly the two points you hit about Jackie Chan, uh, Jackie Chan as dancer and Jackie Chan as comedian. Those are both such important elements of understanding who he is, right? Like, and, and obviously other better people have made this point better. Like literally the, the film series that we're doing at the Trilon right now is called Buster and Jackie because they're, they're drawing that point of comparison between Buster Keaton and Jackie Chan. But something that's always fascinated to me about Jackie Chan that has only sort of become more fascinating as I like get more into um, Kung Fu movies is this idea that like, to me, and, and, you know, I don't want to like, well, I shouldn't equivocate too much, but like, I don't want to, um, like lionize Jackie Chan too much because as all people, he's a, he's a complicated individual. He's a very problematic human being in a lot of ways. But like, I think that regardless of how you feel about Jackie Chan or his politics, you have to like, I don't think anybody can take away that there's nobody doing what he did and nobody who can do what he was doing. Right. Like, I think that like Jackie Chan was like, born to be a kung fu action star and i don't just mean that in terms of his ability i mean it in terms of his his like the way that his body expresses the movements that he's doing in this movie is like unparalleled right it's like when you were watching kung fu movies all the way back to like 36 chamber and stuff one of the greatest things about kung fu movies and like the kung fu movies that are really good really understand this is that kung fu is hilarious and it's because the, the the way that bodies move is inherently very funny and the way that human beings use bodies to express themselves is very funny, right? Like it's not just badass and it's not just beautiful. It's all of those things. It's like inwardly creatively expressive in a way that, that can express not just like one um, emotion or one idea, but like an entire spectrum embodied all at once. It's like an expression of of like the diversity of the human experience, right? And I think that like in terms of epitomizing all that Kung Fu can represent, nobody has ever been as equipped as Jackie Chan, right? Because like when Jackie Chan moves, it is beautiful and it is awe-inspiring and it is hilarious and it is funny all at, it is funny and it's, um, it's like melodic all at once, right? Like in it, it is all of those things without taking away anything from any of those, uh, different expressions. And it doesn't, right? Like it doesn't even make sense to describe it, right? Because it's like, how can Kung Fu be badass and hilarious and beautiful all at once? And it's like, mm-hmm, well, watch mm-hmm. Jackie Chan do it, right? It's like, and watch Jackie Chan and pretty much nobody else do it, right? Because it's like, that's just, and it's it's like, it's like Kung Fu had always been waiting for Jackie Chan, right? And then it just happened. And it was like, there he is. Like, there's the guy who was born to do this. And it's like, I think that a lot of Jackie Chan movies don't quite live up to that because how could they but i think that there are a handful like drunken master 2 that just really really get it and it's just magic right it's just like oh like we're we're watching a dude who is born to do the thing that he's doing now and it's it's like it's just awe-inspiring uh 100 agreed on everything you just said um i i guess coming at it from a a slightly different angle to again wax poetic about uh, Jackie Chan, uh, and, and connecting a few threads that I picked up from listening to Harry and Jason's points, the, um, the sort of, uh, classic, uh, expectation of what we would expect to get from a Jackie Chan role in, 
I guess something that is a, unofficially a Jackie Chan directed movie and, and going back to that sort of convergence. If you go back uh, into like early Jackie Chan filmography, uh, the movies he he starred in and uh, later sort of had a, a hand in directing, he's he frequently takes on the role of like a, a scheming rascal, right? Where he, he's this young guy. He um, <laughs> That's a great he, way to put it. Like, like he's, he's always, he's like trying to get out of doing chores or he's like trying to, to prank someone. He's, uh, like king shit in his, in his little social circle with his, you know, with his buddies at the, you know, the temple or wherever the movie happens to be taking place. Um, he's not necessarily, he, like, he's good at Kung Fu, but he's not the best at, at Kung Fu. And he, he learns and ascends uh, along the way and um there's we get payoff from that and i realize as i'm going that i'm uh, probably unintentionally ripping a lot of stuff from the every frame of painting about jackie chan which is one of my favorite videos on the internet i will provide the link to jason so he can include it in the show notes that is like also essential viewing from anybody who likes watching jackie chan do stuff um but in this movie we, we get uh it, it's a little bit different right because he um He's not, Jackie Chan's character is not the bottom rung of the ladder. He's sort of like an inter- intermediary between, what was his name, Cho, uh, and, and, um, and Jackie's character's father. Um, he's just Jackie Chan. I'm not calling him by his character's name. Um, he's, he's already somewhat talented. And so to use Aaron's phrasing earlier, you know, we get to have that candy right away in the movie when we get, um, you know, there's some great choreography that takes place under the train with, um, uh, with Jackie Chan against the uh, the director's character as they're sort of sparring with each other. And then you still get that payoff later though, as his character learns and ascends um, that payoff happens. You get, you still get to have that candy later. Um, and so it's just this, it's a, you're digging through your Halloween candy bag for over the course of, you know, a little over an hour and a half. And, and it's awesome. And I don't know, structurally that, that feels important to considering like why this movie feels so good, especially if you already, I mean, I guess not, especially whether you have um, context for Jackie Chan as a performer and his movies or not, like it, it feels good throughout. I don't know for, for those reasons, they, they, they found the right mixture basically is, is what I'm trying to say. That's surprising nobody because we all love this movie, but regardless. Uh, The right mixture is kind of an interesting way to put it because I I actually do kind of view this movie as um, like an interesting, I don't know, midpoint, let's say, between kind of like what I would consider like early or early-ish, at least, uh, Jackie Chan uh, uh, films and kind of um, later films uh, that, uh, you know, if if you start considering something like rush hour which would come out i think three four years yeah. after this shanghai um sh- yes right. I, I mean i, I didn't want to just like say the bad ones but like he has some some uh, I mean, some bad films uh let's say at the the start of the century uh that aren't very good uh but i, I think this movie is like kind of an interesting point in the middle um in that uh it, it's especially apparent i think watching the first drunken master before this which is quite a bit of a rougher film in some ways uh this film also uh a drunken master 2 also has a uh, quite a bit quicker editing um which i think a lot of people would typically uh use as kind of a negative uh, uh for this film uh, specifically with a lot of like action uh, and martial arts films quicker editing is, is sometimes uh, considered synonymous with like shoddy filmmaking and whatnot um but I think in this film, it's it's kind of used to allow for a lot of the, frankly, quite ridiculous things that they're they're able to pull off. 
Um, you know, this is not just people all the time fighting with, uh, you know, fists and their feet and whatnot. Um, a lot of the time they're, you know, specifically thinking of a shot where, uh, the bad guy at the end of the film, uh, kind of tries to stab Jackie with like a fire poker and then Jackie holds up the stool and then they wrestle with it for a bit. And then Jackie throws the stool off and then he comes back after Jackie has drunk some gasoline and then he spits, you know, fire on him. And it's all this is edited a lot quicker than you'd see something like Drunken Master One. Um, but it, it kind of works just due to the uh, variety of things going on and the situations that that uh, Jackie is, is being put in um, over the course of, you know, a, a 10 minute fight scene or whatever. Um, and, and so I do kind of view it, despite the fact that this is, you know, as I said at the beginning, uh, kind of the intro, uh, a bit of a return to kind of a traditional martial arts film. I think stylistically and informally, it is moving towards uh, uh, kind of what, what Jackie be doing later and kind of what he started doing in films like, you know, Police Story uh, and whatnot um, a few years before this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really well said, especially because, like, it's particularly the way that they use set pieces and the way that they use, like, um, the geography of a scene. It feels like not just a kung fu movie, but sort of like a natural extrapolation of a kung fu movie, right? It's sort of like moving toward, like you said, sort of like the natural conclusion of um, that sort of version of expressive action as only Jackie Chan can really pull off. But it, but it's sort of like, what if the entire world was like a set for a, a kung fu uh, sort of like showdown, right? And it was like, what if it was never just about the bodies, but it was about everything? Like, what if we could see everything as a, as tools for the expression of uh, this fight or this this sort of dance, right? And like, we've talked about that a little bit in Police Story and Police Story 2, but I think that this is an even more realized expression of that where like Jackie Chan's body transforms the way that we think about like the geography and the sort of like makeup of a scene, right? It's like, if, if you could see Jackie Chan on stage, for instance, like he would get you to... to to rethink maybe permanently the way that the stage is arranged, right? And like the way that the props work because like in his hands or like in in his feet or in his whatever he's using, they're, they're transformed. A bench is never just a bench. It is all of these different things at once. And it's like, it's the perfect sort of expression of, also what what kung fu itself is doing right which is that like human beings can be all of these things at once and like a scene can do all of these things at once it's it's also like a, it's literally imposed on the environment that like now like all of these different um props are going to be doing all of these things at once and it's like it, we we've called it candy before and like i i don't disagree with that but i think the reason you never get tired of it is because it is like it is creative and it is expressive in a way that a lot of action scenes aren't right. Where like, I think a lot of action scenes tend to be sort of destructive where they tend to be taking something that is creative and making it less creative. Whereas like scenes like Jackie Chan can pull off in drunken master. It's like they're, they get you to become more creative, right? Like they, they, they get you thinking about like, I, you know, you watch a, a Jackie Chan movie and I think I brought this up before, but then like you go to the park and you're thinking about all of the different ways that Jackie Chan would use things around you. <laughs> and it's like, I think that's by design, right? I, I, I think that these movies like awaken a certain sort of like bodily expressivity that is like really, really infectious. And that is really like 
um, exciting, right? And I think that that then uh, I don't want to pivot too much, but like to tie that explicitly thematically to the plot, right? And to make a character who is also about that, right? Like he's a traditional Chinese practitioner of medicine and he's sort of like this lovable goofball who never really repents and gives up his goofballness, but his goofball nature actually becomes sort of like masterfully uh, like um, attained or sort of realized. Uh, it all like, it just works so well, man. Like it's wild how well it works, I think. Um, and go ahead, Jason. I just want to piggyback on that and say, I think that world as a tool point is very well taken. I mean, you see it in rumble in the Bronx, you see it in even parts of rush hour. Um, but it's like a common theme among his work. I think it's probably best and most dynamic here. I say his, but I mean, Jackie Chan, um, the world as a tool being like, I'm just thinking of the bamboo pole scene, uh, the hatchet gang scene where they're attacked in the, in the bar. Um, that has to be the most dynamic sequence I've ever seen in a Kung Fu movie. Just like from when he gets his hands on the bamboo pole to when he ends up jumping out the window to, to like fend off more attackers. Like, I mean, just think about what happens in that scene. The, the, the world evolves. They're taking a piece of the scenery to fight with. Um, the tool evolves literally like the end splits like a mozzarella stick and, uh, and in two or three different ways, they find ways to, you know, use it for corporal punishment. And then he evolves, like he has to strip off his shirt and he becomes kind of like this little, um, you know, little Hulk character who just can, who just goes completely wild. And, uh, you know, I mean, super Saiyan from what he was doing before, which was already like superhuman. Right. Um, I, I think if there's one sequence in this movie that encompasses and embodies really well everything that everybody's been saying here it is that sequence for me um because it does not stop with look at what he's doing with that pole or look at how cool like he can wield that tool that he pulled out of the world like you know he might with a bench or with a chair or with a table or whatever else he's actually like changing the thing after having changed the the like environment around him after after literally having changed the scene he is now pushing it forward with the use of a tool you know it's what we're seeing on screen is actually moving the scene forward and that's just a marriage of form and function that i i'm just not used to seeing pulled off that damn well well and and then you think about the way that it, it sort of like it democratizes that feeling of expressivity and creativity through jackie chan because it's not like it's not putting it at arm's length where like traditionally i mean i love Crouch, crouching tiger hidden dragon for instance but like when when those characters are doing that they're supposed to be like gods right like they're supposed to have attained some sort mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. understanding and some sort of mastery that heightens them from the regular human experience and separates them from mere mortals Whereas in this movie, it's all about doing very pointedly the opposite. Where like, as Jackie Chan gets better and better at uh, his Kung Fu, he literally becomes drunker, right? He literally becomes more worldly and more material and more uh, who he is, right? Like who is this person who is fundamentally a part of the world and who is fundamentally like this, this silly guy that we all recognize and that we all sort of love, right? And like, I think that that's such an important element of, of Jackie Chan's whole mystique and of this movie in general is this idea that it's like we are not taking something that is uh, Kung Fu and, and separating it from from people. We're actually making it a tool of the people, right? Or like a, a, a mode of expression that everyone can appreciate and that everybody can can sort of partake in, right? And like that's also – that has been the lineage of Kung Fu sort of like in – 
uh, secret, right, from the very start is that like 36 Chamber of Shaolin is a movie about like populism, right? It's it's about like like how Kung Fu is for the people. And like there there's something really great about that legacy being preserved um, in this movie as well, right? In the in the form of Jackie Chan and in the form of like taking this history and taking this this idea that's supposed to be so uh, full of mystique and so sort of like um, separate from people and like giving it back in that way in the form of like movies and in the form of Jackie Chan and in the form of all of that. It's really, it's really amazing to think about. You knocked it out of the park, not only in terms of your point, but in terms of uh, segueing for me. And uh, for that, I give you a, that was the sound of the crack of a bat. Um, Beautiful. Thank you very much. I knew Cody would appreciate that one. Speaking of Cody, uh, I do want to talk about a, l- a little bit about the plot, and I want to know, Cody, your opinion. Uh, you watched the same movie as we all did. Um, do you see that same touch of quality in the plot? Do you feel like it's as essential as everything else we've been talking about here? I mean, the going not to just like lean on the perfect mixture sort of declaration. Like I, I, I guess thinking back on it, so I, the the first time I watched Drunken Master Two, I, I can assure you, I was not thinking about like the narrative um, by by any means. But thinking about it this time, it it did the thing that I didn't expect it to, where the sort of inciting incident, the mixing up the the ginseng and the the royal seal, like that through the domino effect plays into like what semblance of a narrative this movie has, but it's not, it's not too plotty. It's like, it's there in the background and it sort of sets up the opponents that Jackie Chan and uh, you know, his, his posse um, contend with throughout the movie. But it's not like the fact that we're all sort of, I not puzzled, but the, the fact that we're all, all not um, too hung up on the plot is is probably a good thing. Like it, it's there enough and not to go back too far, but just the, the fact that so many Kung Fu movies have like it's almost glaring how little of a um a sort of backbone there is to like a lot of a lot of the time at, at least in my experience it, it feels like the the movies themselves are i mean as is the case here like it, it never went away but like there are excuses for us to to see great action and great fight choreography um but you feel it like in, in drunken master 2 it's the the fact that we're we're being that the the fight sequences are are carried even if they're not to like the next narrative beat they're at least carried to like the next set piece even the first one we get like bopping mm-hmm. around to the the different areas of the train and eventually the fight takes us away from the train that is taking us back to like the city where the rest of the movie takes place and the distance between um that officer and Jackie and he comes to realization, Oh, we've swapped packages. Like that's like those, like that's, those are perfect beats. Like that's, that's a perfect transition to the next thing. And like, it's almost like I, I just speaking from my own experience, I didn't think about it until I saw it there and, or or I guess like re-saw it there, just like seeing this again and seeing um, other Kung Fu movies in, in the sort of interim, like it, it didn't stick out until I saw it again. I was like, okay, like I, I appreciate this a lot more because it's just, it, it's just enough. It's not overbearing. Like the, the focus is still Jackie Chan and Anita Mui and, and the rest of the gang as they get into, you know, drunken mischief. Um, and, and like that should always be priorities like A through D. Um, so yeah, I don't know. A long way of saying I like it was... Uh, again, the, the the perfect sort of amount, um, which is to say, it, it I don't know, it it pulled its weight appropriately. I think. Yeah, I think that the the plot does a lot of really clever things, right? Like in particular, I'm really enamored of um, 
uh, Fu Wen Chi, the first fight sequence where like, this is the guy who is actually transporting the Imperial seal. Because I, I think that that's a really clever idea because that character who is like as good, if not better at Kung Fu than uh, Jackie Chan's character in this. And they have that standoff and the, the mix up happens. He like symbolized for me, like the traditional protagonist of a Kung Fu movie, right? It's like, this is the guy who was defending the Imperial seal who had to make sure it didn't fall into the wrong hands. And like, this would be the guy who would be sort of like our noble godlike kung fu master, right? Who would, who would sort of like defeat the villains with his um, mastery of self and mind. And instead, like we, we get to see this like literal handoff happen where like it goes to Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan's silly character because of a dumb mistake that the characters make, right? And then we follow this guy instead for the rest of the movie. And I just think that's such a funny and great way to sort of like introduce that idea. And then like it only gets better from there, right? Like this this movie is very fun and has a lot of fun um, subverting your expectations in terms of what a kung fu protagonist should be, perhaps, right? Like, I and I think that that the um, stepmother character is a really great example of that, for instance, right? And and especially his relationship, his sort of like the way that his relationship with her subverts expectations too, right? And especially the way that his relationship with his father subverts expectations. So um, I want to know a little bit about what you guys thought about that. Uh, well, the relationship with his father is where I think I probably center most on, yeah. you know, when I think about the plot, I like, I mean, it's, none of it is too buried in there. Obviously it's all pretty, um, I don't want to call it exploitation, but like the plot is pretty on top of things. It's aside from what Cody was saying, where, um, like, I think the best example of what Cody was saying was about like how there's some disconnect, some like foreshadowing, some, it's never like too directly part of the center stage, but it is, um, you know, it's there is when, uh, master Fu calls, uh, Wong a traitor at the beginning. And you don't really understand what that's supposed to mean. He's like, is he a bad guy? Whatever. Uh, it comes to mean that like, of course he's, he believe master Fu believes that Wong is working with the Westerners to, you know, smuggle artifacts out of China. Um, and you know, I didn't put that together until this watch because just the movie moves at such a fun, quick, slick pace that it, Lord, like you start, it sort of starts, um, ceasing to matter by the end. Um, uh, 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 but I think where the plot like starts to click the most for me is in, uh, Wong's relationship with his father in that, uh, you know, he is the chiding father, uh, figure who's going to sort of like teach Jackie, teach Wong the error of his ways and, uh, sort of get him to responsibly conduct himself in, you know, uh, both in society and before his family, um, you know, bring honor to his household kind of thing. Uh, and ultimately like he, he doesn't do that. I think, uh, Harry was talking about him, you know, like the way that this movie powers through the way that Jackie Chan sort of makes it and becomes a hero is by sticking to his goofy self, a goofy, you know, version of this mythologized character. And rather than making him superhuman, which they like, that's the base level. You didn't need to make this historical figure um, more powerful than he was because you already did that with like the first few scenes. You're just making him more and more goofy and stretching a little bit of that um, expectation of how, how non-serious can it become? How like, how far can we stretch this whole he gets drunk to fight thing before it becomes before it like breaks and they can stretch it pretty far as it turns out. Um, so the way that like, I guess through that subplot with his father, he gains confidence in his own abilities and his own like 
his own self-determined path to self-empowerment. Like, cause in the first movie, you don't really need to know this, but in the first movie, he learns drunken boxing, um, from, you know, the master and he sort of like harnesses that that becomes his thing, right? He learns how to use it and control it. Uh, and exactly that thing is what his father wants to suppress within. It wants him to like, uh, make, he wants to put him, he wants him to find his way without leaning on that, I guess, right. as, as an indulgence or whatever. It turns out it's not actually an indulgence. It is, in fact, his own way that he identifies and that he, like, keeps tradition alive within himself. Um, and I think it, like, becomes textual very near the very end uh, through maybe a small detail that I'm extrapolating to a much bigger point than it maybe really is. But uh, when he's fighting Ken Lowe, the um, kicking guard, I think he's credited as John. Cyclone Doe, yeah. Yeah. He's just doing a shit ton of kicks. He's, like, Van Damming the fuck out of that scene. But he is, like, that character uh, played by Ken Lowe. Um, ends up like once he realizes that he starts losing, he abandons like that whole thing. The thing that he's, uh, you know, established himself as, as a fighter who, you know, uses kicks to sort of overpower and confuse, uh, and just starts like throwing shit at Jackie Chan. And it's like, okay, so you're trying to be the Jackie Chan of this scene. Once you realize that your, that your thing doesn't work, you've, you've like Jackie Chan is too confident in his own ability that he's sort of owning his style, uh, his, like the way that he's keeping this style alive by you're trying to ape it in you know so whatever weak way you can by throwing you know uh barrels and uh uh benches and chairs and shit at him in the foundry during the final during the final battle um that might be a little bit too much but uh sorry i'm paying too much attention to the notes i'm too good a producer um go for it aaron i was you're you're massively underselling how absolutely fucking scared you would be if you were in that guy's shoes i mean th- think think about it you 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 with a gang of like twenty five people all fail to beat up this one guy uh he gets the shit kicked out of him but keeps going he walks or like crab walks on coals backwards uh his hands are like all blistered he drinks gasoline and throws up fire on your henchman and then it proceeds to in the last few minutes here basically just start smashing shit while drunk like it, no it, yeah he really goes He's like a- donkey kong at the end yeah uh, absolutely he just goes <laughs> he just goes layers and layers of madness you know he's tearing off his shirt and he's all sweaty and gross and he's screaming he's just again absolutely hulking out uh and no i i would i would be pissing and shitting there's a there's a there's a there's a bit right before Jackie Chan uh, defeats John uh, at the end where he literally just like stands up and goes and he starts like smashing a crate just with both hands like with his fists (laughs) just for no just for kind of no reason Uh, yeah the end of the the end of this movie rocks because it is just about the good guy just like I mean it's basically crank right like he basically he just he just drinks gasoline like that's the thing that allows him to succeed Uh, it's it's very good. Uh, it is very good. And uh, to go back, Jason, I, I think you're right to sort of center on uh, of the, the two guardian figures for Jackie Chan's character to, to center on the father, just because the the stepmother is playing a very different role. Um, but on the note of, of like subverting expectations, it is like uh, uh, I'll use the boring word interesting. It is interesting and very, very fun to see them both as like equals as as peers almost and 
part of me thinks slash hopes I didn't do um I, I didn't think to look this up in advance, but I mean um like it, it important to note that uh, Anita Moy is nine years younger than Jackie Chan. And so part of me <laughs> like thinks slash hopes that they like they, they found the perfect person for this maternal role in Anita Moy. And they're like, well, we can make her like the stepmother and sort of like hastily explain away any sort of like uh, weird like age similarities. You know what I mean? It's like, mm, they're like uh, about the same age slash slash like Jackie Chan is nine years older than her. Um, but it, it, in any case, like, I, I don't know. I They did the right thing, whether or not that was the case, because as we've said, she's like, she's brilliant in this and like a nice sort of um, not foil, but like contemporary or, or peer, a, a nice, you know, they, they, foil. what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I said I was going to use foil. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like they, they feed off each other super well. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's kind of her whole like character thing, right? Is that like she represents, and I, I don't think it's a mistake that she's a woman or that she's a stepsis or step um, mother or that she is um, like so pointedly around his age. Um, it's, it's like it, everything that his father represents, she sort of represents the opposite, right? Like she, she's a, um, like she enables and, uh, encourages Jackie Chan's character where his father wants him to be everything that he's not so stern and serious and, and respectable. Whereas she understands who Jackie Chan is. And it's like, if there's a, there's a really good generation dialectic happening there. Right. And like, it's a, it's really good that she is sort of herself pretending to be someone she's not when she's around her husband. Right. Like that is, that is continually brought up for comedic effect is that she is actually this sort of like funny uh, rascal of a character herself. Right. Like she loves to gamble and play Mahjong and she loves to, to drink and sort of like have fun with her friends. And like, she has to act dignified when she's around her husband, but she understands and can empathize with who Jackie Chan is. And like, that really brings home for me the, like, the the overall message of this movie right which is this sort of like this reappropriation of like look like like kung fu and and self-mastery it doesn't necessarily have to mean self-denial it doesn't have to mean this monk-like existence it can actually mean the opposite right like you can actually become the best version of yourself by becoming the most version of yourself right like and there's nothing wrong with that and it's it's a it's a really surprising and surprisingly subversive stance for a kung fu movie to take particularly when you consider the sort of like oftentimes a little bit didactic Buddhism involved in a lot of movies like this. And I wouldn't necessarily call this an anti-Buddhist movie, right? Of course not. But like, it's, it's a movie that's saying that like your version of self-actualization and self-realization, it can mean a lot of different things and it doesn't have to meet a prescriptive morality or a prescriptive ideology that you might uh, suspect it is, right? Like it, this is a movie that, that has the um, space to say that like, Jackie Chan's father's way of life is not necessarily wrong, although he comes to be softened by the end of it. But there's nothing wrong with the way that uh, his wife or his son are living their lives either. Those are people who are who are becoming the versions of themselves that they should be, right? It's great. I agree. Um, I do want to ask, I guess this movie is sort of built around, there are a lot of, you know, there's one um, sort of temple set piece fight in the middle, the... Uh, um, 
the there's the hatchet gang fight i guess i'm saying that but then they're realizing there too uh there's the hatchet gang fight there's the fight that he ends uh by fighting his dad um but i want and you know within those multitude of cool moves we've already pulled up a few of them uh when cody was talking about some of the uh, beginning like opening scene fight scenes um under the train and under the pier uh i thought about like the best hidden or like not really spoken about parts that you had forgotten were just so fucking cool um you know in the last few minutes we have here before cody's notice uh like the one that i'm thinking of is where master fu is sort of jabbing with his um with his long spear and you know really going at it underneath the pier against against wong and he like again a little hard to describe and this is a terrible thing to do in an audio format but he uh like spins it around his arms around one of the pylons of the pier to continue slicing at uh jackie chan as at wong and it's just like such a fluid missable move um that it keeps firmly in the center of the frame and everything it's not because it's poorly made it's just because it's so lightning fast that i've one forgotten it that it just like works so goddamned well that it flows so well that both actors and the space between them is just moving so fluidly it's easy to miss that kind of stuff are there any of those that pulled uh you know up for you on this watch yeah, that's uh I love that prompt. I also wish I could think of um like specific exchanges in combat. The the one sequence I that I that we haven't already touched on that I, I really love is and, and maybe I'm just a, a sucker who's seen like Kill Bill too many times before I watched any other Kung Fu movie, but like the the scene where Jackie Chan and um Master Fu uh, again, he's just Jackie Chan, when they're in that house and they get swarmed uh by the the house load by dozens and dozens of combatants and basically like the the sort of the the movement you get when like one person is you know when when either of them are in the middle of this horde of people and they you know do a move or they break free and everybody in their like periphery sort of in their their circumference like jumps backward uh like to to evoke the sort of or rather to show visually like, wow, this is how much space this one person created with that this one move. So good. It's, it, it's so, it's so bad. And then knowing the opportune moment when to, when to, you know, jump ship and just like leap out of the window of, the, of this house, like as a, a, a sort of a period on that, that interaction before we migrate to, you know, the next, the next series of moves, the, the next fight or, you know, the next environment or, or anything like that. Just that, that, that series of, I don't, I don't know that that combat series that type of of flavor always always really gets me feeling good it, it's I don't know satisfying in a similar way that a lot of these interactions are satisfying but I wanted to call that one out specifically yeah I have a couple of diff- the different props Jason you already mentioned the bamboo pole but the way that that transforms throughout that scene is really good I think specifically when it splinters at its ends and mm-hmm. then he uses the like individual splinters that he like twirls in order to sort of like catch and parry and like mess up people's hands it's just so smart it's so fucking like amazing to watch um also shout outs to that scene i really love it it's so funny that especially if you're if you're familiar with like kung fu parodies like um kung fu hustle like the fact that there's just a gang called the axe gang and their thing is just that they have these little one-handed hatchets that they carry around such a kung fu thing so classic like the little axe is so funny um similarly aaron and i were commenting on early on the uh um, the bendy spear from the first fight scene. Bendy that's spear is a classic. It rocks. A cla- I would create a spear that is not bendy personally if I was creating a spear. But these guys, they think different. But the the wiggling is an important aspect of the the spear, right? Like you gotta the, you 
that's the advanced moves involve sort of like wiggling the spear. Just Maybe so. the thought is that if, if the end of the spear gets near the other person's face, it gets game over. So like, I just think, make yeah. it fling around as much as possible. You I, just need a little think, cut up there. I do think it's relying on the sharpness of the end rather than the firmness of the of the pole. Um, I, I, I love how all of these, uh, fight scenes, every single one of them tells like a story. There's like a little narrative, like there are transitions in, in it, right? Like in, even in that first fight scene, it's like they go from hand to hand to spear to hand to sword to spear to sword to hand to sword to sword, right? Like, like there are, there are these movements, uh, like, like a dance through the sort of like different narrative steps. Um, and then finally, like it's, it's the most obvious metaphor of all, but like, Every time that like Jackie Chan has to fight while drinking and like take a moment to drink more and like he does things like flipping over people's backs and like um like getting them in chokehold so that he has time to drink. I think it there are multiple times when somebody else is holding the like drink and he drinks out of their drink by like tipping their hand toward him, right? Or something like that. It just rules. Like it's so good. It it's so funny and it like it's the sort of thing that like constantly throughout this uh scene you're like i never knew that i needed to see or had thought of like a bench that way but now i'm never gonna see it any other way right and it's just like i love that these movies can unlock that for you um aaron what are your favorites uh i was i was gonna say one thing that i brought up while watching this and dragon master one is that one of my favorite uh uh martial arts film tropes uh, is when thing that very clearly would not hurt in real life hurts very much to the characters oh, in the Kung Fu movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like uh, like chopsticks are a big one where like a character has chopsticks and just like wrecking dudes by smacking with chopsticks would wouldn't wouldn't hurt. Uh, in Drunken Master One, uh, the the Drunken Master in that movie, who was Jackie Chan's mentor, uh, like has a towel and starts beating the shit out of people with a towel, like it's like it's like a frat room, like 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 bathroom or something like he has a towel and he's just like whooping guys and people are like flying out of windows and shit. And it's like, okay, uh, big one. And this one is, uh, uh, the bad guy steps on Jackie Chan's feet while hugging. They're both like hugging each other and like a bear hug. And he steps on Jackie Chan's feet and Jackie Chan's like, cause he's stepping on his feet. And it's like, that's, it wouldn't hurt. I feel like I can hurt that one. Who are no. you? No, I mean, if you're Jackie Chan, I mean, you just crab walk over hot coals, you know what I mean? Like, you put up with somebody stepping on your feet. It's just, like, little things like that that, like, totally rocks. I love when there's something like that in a martial arts film. Somebody bonking somebody, you know, in, like, a weird way, and the guy goes flying. It's great. Yeah, it really does just speak to that complete comedic commitment, you know? Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing since you brought up the uh, the coals, which is that, like Police Story, this um, has the the classic Jackie Chan like blooper reel slash making of stunts at the end. Really great idea. Uh, it, it's so fun. It's so humanizing. It's so democratizing the way that um, this entire movie is. It also like really drives home how like the reason why they don't make movies like this anymore is because they probably shouldn't have, right? Like Jackie Chan is a fucking maniac. Like he he did things that no human should do or should be able to do to make these movies and nearly died like a hundred thousand times while doing it. And like there, there are so many moments in it where like you're, you're caught up in the magic and then something will happen. Like something just almost nearly misses or nearly hits Jackie Chan's head and you just know it would have been fatal, right? It's like a hammer or a spike or something. And it's just like, wait a minute, like how is this guy alive? And like, I'm glad that we got these movies, but also like Jesus Christ, right? Like 
when he's walking across the coals, that was not simulated. <laughs> and it's like, Jackie Chan, like, what the hell, man? Yeah, it feels somewhat sinful to watch him like, ooh, I'm enjoying this thing that was clearly, uh, like, actually and legitimately life-threatening in a slightly parallel universe. This movie would have been, like, lost to time because it's the one where Jackie Chan died. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I'm really thankful that we got it. I'm really glad that we got it and got to talk about it. Um, I think that might be where we open it up to uh, to our final segment of the show, unless we have any final thoughts uh, kicking around in anybody's brains. Mike is open. I, I, I was really hoping that I'd have some response, but it sounds like um, sounds like I got a whole lot of uh, <laughs> really hate this. I love it. I just yearn for the early days of podcasting when it was more naturalistic, you know? Yeah. Do like a back dog when, in 85. Back when men, back when men were men. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Harry, help me ring in our final segment of the show. Yes. Thank you, Jason. It is the segment that we like to call <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much gentlemen as always for that intoxicating introduction i uh though i think for today's episode a a maybe a slight temporary rebrand may be nice i know it's a little late in the pod to be doing this um but let me be the first to say <clears throat> welcome to drunk love <clears throat> you. that's every um, podcast episode for me but crimey anyway here's what's going to happen functionally this will be the same type of trivia game that we've done many times before um i know you fellas are are very familiar with that i will ask y'all a series of questions this time pertaining to jackie chan after each statement i will ask y'all in alphabetical by uh last name order we'll say to respond you'll get a point for every correct answer and the person or persons with the most points at the end wins the the sort of potential side quest here um and to throw out another gaming term, I, I don't know how, how much y'all maybe want to metagame this. You might choose not to. Is that is uh, as is that is if at least two of you get the answer correct um, for any given question, I will take a big swig of alcohol here in the background. Um, as for booze, sorry, what kind? Um, yeah. So here's the my my own stash is is limited. Gasoline uh, or nothing, Cody. I, I, go get your uh, hose. Go to your car listen, right now. It it, it doesn't make its way all the all the way into my apartment i do have some fireball at the ready um that being said i may just end up sipping this as we go anyway uh because i am a sick freak um this is me unscrewing the cap but anyways uh if any of you fellas playing or if any uh uh, if anyone listening to this episode wishes to participate in a in a similar fashion please feel free i just didn't feel like putting anyone else on the spot so you know i am slurping it baby wow about is that what they say about uh, about drinks? You you slurp them? Yeah. What? No. That's, that's, that, that's that no. one song. The, the no, song slurp I've never heard that before in my life. What you won't do? <laughs> you do for slurps. <laughs> uh, trivia mafia rules apply here, gentlemen. Use your noodles, not your googles. With that, let's go ahead and jump in. First question: Which film has the longer runtime, Drunken Master Two or Police Story? Jason. Oh boy! Um, I will say Drunken Longer Master Two. Time. I apologize. Jason is gonna. Yep. No. No. Jason's gonna say Drunken Master Two. Aaron, what do you say? Uh, Police Story is either like ninety minutes or two hours, and I can't remember. I'm gonna say uh, most movies are either ninety minutes. Or no, two no, no. Hours. But but uh, I'm gonna say uh, Police Story. All right. And Harry, what are you? What are you gonna go with? 
I believe you were thinking of Police Story 2, which is inexplicably like... Oh, when- shit! Wait, yeah. no, can I take yeah. my answer no, back? No, nope, you don't. Yeah. But, uh, no, Your it, answer's final. Longer by like 10 minutes or so. Uh, yes, Sorry, which Drunken Master 2 is an hour 40. Is Police Story the one that's like 96 minutes? Harry, what's your guess? I, I said Drunken Master 2 is longer. Okay, perfect. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we're going by letterbox here. Drunken Master 2 has a runtime of 102 minutes. Police Story has a runtime of 101 minutes. Whoa. Uh, so, so Drunken Master 2 is longer just by nose. Uh, by the way, as I um, pick up the bottle here, uh, Police Story 1 and 2 are previous episodes for any Jackie stands who, who may be listening right now. Um, I won't get, I won't belly up to the mic um, because that would be gross, but... what's that that was gross anyway i don't think your belly is gross cody oh that's not what i meant but now i am self-conscious baby second question um sorry i should say uh so jason and harry walked away with points that time uh plenty of time for aaron to get on the board and usurp them who knows what'll happen uh second question here we've got up which is the bigger value between these two so first the international box office gross for kung Pu, uh excuse me kung fu panda wow. kung fu panda the international box office gross for kung fu panda or the combined international box office gross for the three rush hour movies which one is bigger jason <clears throat> oh my God. yep the rush hour movies the rush hour movies says jason aaron what do you think Oh, it's it's Kung Fu Panda. It's got to be Kung Fu Panda. That's behemoth, bro. Kung Fu Panda's big. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a big big panda. DreamWorks animated him. Um, very unfortunately. Um, but okay, I got that etched in concrete. Harry, what's your pick? Uh, well, first of all, I'm I'm contractually obligated or morally obligated to mention the the Zizek um, talking about Kung Fu Panda. We can include it in the show notes. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, I think it's Kung Fu Panda as well. All right. Uh, so, so here's the thing, gentlemen. The international box office intake for Kung Fu Panda was uh, about six hundred thirty-two million dollars. Oh, the international. The international. Yeah, you're right. The international box office intake for the three Rush Hour movies was about eight hundred fifty million dollars. So Woo! Rush Hour takes that one. Um, Wait, what did Kung this- Fu Panda two make? I don't know. I didn't look that one up. It was also six, it, six, 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 six million, buddy. Probably, hey, Cody, can you, uh, can you read the yeah. score? Uh, board. Oh, I would stand. love to. Yeah. So, um, in in descending order, we've got uh, Jason two for two with points. He's got two points here. Um, through the first two rounds, two, two, two. Uh, Harry uh, has one point, and Aaron is is sitting with a goose egg again. We've got. <laughs> I should have known that was coming. Uh, still plenty of time though. Uh, as always, we do these in in groups of five. So we've got three more questions here. Still very much anybody's game we're moving on to number three and for this one i'm gonna give y'all i'm gonna give y'all an over under i don't think we've done that yet on on this show in this segment Uh, i'm gonna give y'all an over under for the number of animated films jackie chan has in his top five most popular films going by number of letterboxed entries with an over under you're gonna say whether you think there are more or fewer than the number i put forth and the over under we're going with for this is 2.5 so the question again is, are there more than 2.5 animated films in Jackie Chan's top five most popular films, or are there fewer than 2.5? Jason? Wow. Uh, what a question for a uh, an alcohol-added mind. Um, 
We're going under. We're going under. Aaron, where are we going? I think the answer is under, but I think in order to stay competitive, I got to go over. All right, Aaron's going over. Where is Harry going? Man, it's a tough question because you're tricky, Cody, but I I want to believe that it's under, but I'm a pessimist, so I'm going to say over. Harry is also going over. Uh, the correct answer is over. So in in descending Ooh. order, uh, this is the list of Jackie Chan's, uh, as of like last night, top five most popular films going by Letterboxd entries. We've got Kung Fu Panda. We've got Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> We've got Rush Hour. We've got the Karate Kid remake from like 2010. That is uh, number four, the number four most popular Jackie Chan film on Letterboxd. Uh, and number five is Kung Fu Panda 3. Um, so Awful that- shit. Awful shit. Take, I didn't know that this is really knows. shameful. This is shameful. Who is he? Yeah, Who is like, he? Putting, putting Jackie Chan in an animated movie is like making a live action adaptation of Akira. It, like, it's uh, missing the whole thing. Master like, Monkey. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, the, the monkey. Yeah. He doesn't have a huge yeah. part of the first one, as I remember. He's, he's sort of like a yeah. mentor slash panic character. I gotta say, I enjoyed the first two of those movies just fine. Hey, the first I one did. I the second Wait, one. I like the first one a lot. Of yeah, yes. You know, solid DreamWorks. Look, DreamWorks has done a lot worse, fellas. You know. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that for sure. Um, you, I think home. we can also. I think we we can also all agree. Um, the the unimpeachable results that we've got at this point. Uh, with that question, Harry pulls into a tie with Jason Daphnis atop the leaderboard with two points apiece. Aaron uh, is also on the board with one. He's nipping at their heels. We've got two more questions. Folks, it does not get more exciting than this. I will take a drink before we get to the next question. Um, feel free to talk amongst yourselves for the next five seconds. Good stuff. Mm, Cody try loves the fucking sauce. Uh, for number four, uh, in uh, in many IMDb profiles, I should say they've got a section dedicated to trademarks of that particular artist. What I'm going to do here is list three Jackie Chan trademarks per IMDb. Two will be real, one will be fake, and your job will be to pick out the fake trademark. So I'll read them, all three of them, one at a time. First, mostly does his own stunts. Second, often plays an underdog. And third, most of his films feature slapstick humor. So which of those is the fake IMDb trademark, Jason? Ooh, um... <sighs> what the middle one was often plays an underdog. I will say uh, the underdog. All right, Jason says the underdog. What does Aaron say? <sighs> oh, I think that's also the answer, but I think I'm gonna have to go for slapstick humor in another attempt uh, to uh, tie up here. So awesome. Uh, so slapstick humor and Harry, what are you gonna go with? See, now I find myself in an unfortunate position where I must play the villain, right? Because I also think that underdog is probably the right answer but i could see slapstick as well and if aaron hadn't picked slapstick i would have picked that one but now i know metagaming as i do that if i go with underdog it only means that at worst we can all tie at this point and so i am obligated to do so i'm going to go with underdog harry is going to go with underdog you scheming metagamers you the fake trademark is indeed underdog uh, i picked a tough one uh, or, or so a tough one a tough one, one. To, to trick y'all this time you really uh, did and again maybe that's kind of true but imdb doesn't have it listed in their in their trademarks uh for jackie chan um most of his films feature slapstick humor is taken word for word um which 
kind of tickled me. Um, IMDb is a treasure trove of many wonders. Um, as is this segment, I like to think, at least today, uh, especially, we've got uh, Jason and Harry up with three. Uh, Aaron's, um, he's on the board with one. We've got one final question here in order to incorporate the the, the drinking game sort of sidebar. Um, I, I think Aaron is technically out of the running, but hey, he can still get a, another point here and close the gap. For our fifth and final question, similar to what we've done in previous games, I'm going to read off three quotes allegedly uttered by Jackie Chan. Two of these utterances will be real. Uh, they, they will be for real again, allegedly, and one will be uh, for fakesies. Your task is to pick out the fakesies one. So I'll read off the three quotes and leave it to each of you to pick out the imposter afterward. So <clears throat> first quote, don't try to be like Jackie. There is only one Jackie. Study computers instead. So that was the first quote. <laughs> I really hope that's fucking real, man. <laughs> Second quote. I have a few rules that I tell my manager. No kissing scenes. The kids who like me don't need to see it. And the third quote here. I dislike rush hour the most. There is no reason in making it. Just give me the money and I'm fine. So those are the three quotes. Which of those is the, do I have to say allegedly again? The allegedly fake quote, uh, Jason. Goodness. That last one is... That last one has to be a plant. I don't think Jackie Chan has ever said something that demoralizing about his own career, but ooh, maybe you just swapped the title of the movie. I'm going to say C. I'm going to go out on a limb and say C is the uh, allegedly false quote. All right, perfect. I got Jason uh, at C. Uh, Aaron, where do you want to align yourself with for this question? As a software developer, I am uh, uh, legally required to pick A. It is the funniest option for me. Uh, I realized that I, uh, watching Rush Hour at a young age, realized that I could not be Jackie Chan and decided to, uh, follow, you know, I'm thinking it's fake. That Yeah, I'm just, it's A. I think it's A. All right, perfect. Aaron's going with A. <laughs> and what God is Harry Jason. going with? Oh, that was me. Sorry. Um, I got excited. Uh, Harry, what's your picky? Uh, I think I'm also going to go with C. We know that B has to be true. Asexual king. <laughs> Wait, so you guys, you can't do the, you can't. All right, never mind. All right. Uh, the imposter quote is B. Uh, the actual, oh. the actual alleged quote is as follows. <clears throat> I Asexual king. <laughs> I, well, well, here, here, listen in, listen in. I have a few rules that I tell my manager. No sex scenes. Ah. No sex The kids ah. who like me don't need to see it. It would gross them out. Yeah, but what about the adults? What about the adults? Huh? Jackie, we want to see it. Consider the adults, the, Jackie. the Jackie Chan story. Um, That's a good anyway, point. I, I, Jackie I wonder Chan if he's ever done a sex Unbelievable. Scene. I mean, imagine. Yeah. imagine he's like flipping he's through a round bed post, you know what I mean? He's like he's like jumping off a chandelier. He actually never, never reaches completion because he's just constantly moving. <laughs> Well, well. Before we before we illustrate too many fantasies for our dear listeners, um, I'll just say uh, uh, Aaron finished the game with a with a point here. Jason and Harry finished with three points apiece. They tied the um, the top slot. They tied for the top slot in the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. I'm getting alcohol burps because of the fireball. Cheers. This has been drunk love. Thank you for playing. 
Cheers, indeed. My goodness, what a fun episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Thank you, Cody, for always ending our episodes on, a, on an upper note. Uh, this has been our episode about uh, The Legend of Drunken Master, a.k.a. Drunken Master 2. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will no longer be playing at the Trilon. We will try to boost it before it does. But uh, you can also rent it. You can buy it. There's a decent... Uh, I say decent, not good. Uh, release of it on Blu-ray currently through uh, Warner, and you should buy that because it is way more than worth it. Show that it's uh, worth buying because maybe we'll get a better release eventually. Uh, until then, you can find us at Trilove Podcast. You can find uh, the Trilon Cinema at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org where you can get tickets and t-shirts. Uh, be cool like us. You cannot get the volunteer exclusive Tatsuya Nakadai t-shirts, uh, which we were uh, gently teased with at uh, showing uh, recently, and they look really really cool and we wish that we could get one um john if you're listening please uh but you can uh buy programs you can become a member of the trilon club you can uh, attend members only screenings you can do a lot of cool stuff for not that much and support local cinema here in minneapolis um in the meantime you can find me jason daphnis on twitter at nintendoofus Wow, I had no idea the Tatsuya Nakadai shirts were a thing. I must have been busy Man, that day or it's so like cool. within the day. Fuck, I'm so excited. Um, I didn't do this last episode. wanted to shout out uh, Harry, who helped me um, in all of my stupidity lug my new big TV to my apartment. I tried to pick it up and my car was too small. Um, but I've got a big new TV now set up in my apartment. I watched Drunken Master 2 on it and it was great. Um, if anybody listening needed a reason to, to hang out with me, that is, uh, there are, are 55 reasons and they're, they're all inches. And that relates to the, the hey. um, more, more like King Fu. I, I regret everything I just said. Um, so I will close with, thank you, uh, for, <laughs> I've been Cody Narfison. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, God forbid, if you want to at, uh, Cody underscore BH. You heard it here first, folks. Cody has 55 inches. Shut up! Shut up! Yes, thank you for bringing up the Tetsuya Nakadai shirt, Jason. It was not my proudest moment. I did ask one of the volunteers if the, quote, Tetsuya Nakadai, unquote, shirt uh, was available. And first of all, she said, I don't think this is Tetsuya Nakadai, which, excuse me, ma'am, I think I know uh, Tetsuya Nakadai. Thank you. Uh, but yes, that is volunteer only. So I guess I have to finally become a, a volunteer at the Trilon. Um, I've been Harry Mack and you can find me on Twitter at Shitaki Harry. Thank you. It's it's like Jason has turned into like a, like a radio, like shock jock producer. Sort of like 2007. My name uh, is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter you can find me on Twitter at Arby, please. Boats can float on water, but they can sink in it, too. Oh, oh what the hell was that? What does it mean when there's a picture of a skull? <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs>